Okay, guys, let's begin. So, um, what one of the what I want to look at this week is in uh, in Vayit Hanan is the the beautiful the beautiful part of it. I mean, not that it's so beautiful, but it is nice that the um, that the laning of this week's parsha also includes some of the laning of uh, of Tishabab, which is on Thursday. So what I thought to do was actually to look at a couple of those psukim and try and understand from the psukim that we're going to be laning, which will also give us a bit of insight into the, into the parsha as well. It gives us a bit more of a broader view on things. So if you go to um, Dvarim Dalit, so that's chapter 4, verse 25. So it's really kind of like smack in the middle of the parsha. Uh, verse 25 and in it there the Torah says the following if you have is like, either key sometimes means when sometimes means if in this case it means when really okay, so when that when you'll have children and grandchildren and it's, it's, the, the, the psukim is speaking about the establishment of B'nai Israel in Eretz Israel. So now the Torah says the following. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Bnei Israel and he says to them, listen, you've got to just remember something. You need to be warned about something. When you will have children and grandchildren, and you'll feel very settled in the land of Israel. So you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a point where you're going to... Um, deviate off the path that you're supposed to be, and you'll make some type of pestle, some type of uh, idol, some type of, uh, of, of avoid Zorah. And in doing that, what you'll do, is you'll do, you'll do that which makes, uh, which is bad in the eyes of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, to make him angry. So then he says, it says, I'm bringing us testimony today. Shamayim Varet, the two things that will never ever move, will never ever be lost. Shamayim Varet, they will be my witnesses. And what are they witness to? Ki avot because that you will be quickly destroyed from the, from the land. That you are going to, going over to cross the Jordan there to inherit the land. You will not be there for long because what is shamed shamedun you'll be totally destroyed. And Baruch will spread um, spread you out to all the different nations. And you'll be there for many many years. Bagoyim amongst the nations. Which Hakadosh Baruch Hu puts you there. Um, we'll understand these verses, please God. And there you will serve Elohim, Adam. You'll serve other gods. The 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 work of people's hands, eights for heaven, which are um, sticks and stones. That they don't see, they don't hear. They don't consume. They don't smell. They, in other words, they're nothing. They're just uh, these uh, basic pieces of wood. This is where we're going to finish. And you and from there you will request, you will you will you will beg, you will plead for Hashem, Umatsata, and you'll find him, because you will search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. So those are the Psukim that I want to look at 
it paints a pretty bleak picture, but it's not such a bleak picture because this is the space that we're in, and we know that this is the space that we're in. So what I'd like to do is to try and um, really understand what is what these things are and what we can um, try and benefit out of that and learn something from them. So firstly, let's go into the Torah. So the Torah says very simply that Kitolid banim banim. When you will, when you will have these children. And you'll be settled in the land. Comes along Rashi. And Rashi says, what does it mean, Venoshantem? Remez lahem. Comes along as a hint to the Jewish people. What is the hint? Rashi says that there's a remez, there's a hint in the word Venoshantem that the Jewish people will be, uh, will be um, exiled after Shmonameot, 800, and 50, Ushtayim Shana, and 52 years. So after 852 years from this, from this statement, comes along the uh, Rashi and says that there's a hint in the Torah that there will be a, a Galus, and then it says, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu did something different. There's a hint in the Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu that, the, that Am Yisrael will be exiled after 852 years, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Makdim, he made it earlier, V'higlam l'sof shmona me'ot v'chamishim. And he exiled us after 850 years. V'higdim shnei shanim l'noshantem. Why did he do it earlier? Right, it's 852 years according to the prophecy of some sort of Moshe Rabbeinu. So why did he do it earlier? Why does he bring the people? Uh, why does he exile the Jewish people earlier than the 850 years? Says Rashi, In order that the, uh, there's two aspects of, the, of this prophecy, so to speak, that, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu has said, and that is that that will completely destroy us, as we read in those psukim. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu says he's going to completely destroy us, so then we've got a problem. So it comes along Hashem and says, you know what? I'll do it two years earlier. I'll put you into exile two years earlier. So already I've broken this, the, 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 the prophecy. And since I've already broken the prophecy, so therefore also not, there'll no be, not be of you'll not be completely destroyed. And, um, and therefore comes along the, um, the, the Rashi and he says, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu tzedakah with us. Tzedakah. Tzedakah. Listen, give to the words. That he brought Galut two years earlier than it's, than it's uh, normal time. So let's try and understand a little bit of what this Rashi is telling us. What does Rashi mean? So we understand there's a prophecy. 852 years we're supposed to go into exile. But then Rashi tells us that Hashem Tzedakah with us. Now what does Tzedakah mean? So there's a, the, the Gomorrah tells us that there is a, there are, there's, there's a difference between Tzedakah and between chesed. So what's the difference? So tzedakah, you can only do with money, you can only do financially, um, whereas chesed you can do with your, with your guf. Tzedakah you can only do for the poor, whereas chesed you can also do for the wealthy. And, um, gosh, I keep forgetting this third one. But, uh, but that's the theme, is that tzedakah is about money. Tzedakah is not about doing deeds. So what does it mean that Hashem said tzedakah for the people? that he brought the galut two years earlier than it should have been, meaning that there's something about Am Yisrael, that they are so down, 
that they are so impoverished on a real level that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes them into Galut, what he's really doing for them is an enormous favor. And that's something for important for us to understand, is that impoverishment is not only, um, is not only physical impoverishment. The, the Gemara says that we should always look for simanei aniyut. Simanei aniyut means signs of poverty um, in, in people. And then we can, we can, once we recognize that a person is going through a difficult time, um, so then we can assist them in whichever way we need to. But it comes along the, the son of the Mepharshim who says simanei aniyut does not only mean f- uh, signs of, um, of, of physical poverty, it also means impoverishment of, of the spirit, impoverishment of the soul, impoverishment of the, of the psychology of the person. That's what we have to be looking for. And at the point in time that Bnei Israel went into exile, we know we were totally impoverished of what we were supposed to be. We we're impoverished of our mission, we we're impoverished of, how, of, of the world that we we're supposed to be living in, and that's why we're still in Gallus, because we're still living in that aspect of the impoverishment. Says the... Um, the, uh, the Emek Dava. So what is the source of this whole thing that we would need to go into Galut? Why is it? And he says something so interesting. He says the following. That, um, you know, when Bnei Israel went into the land of Israel, um, when they arrived in the land of Israel, they, um, they were so excited about their, uh, their connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so excited about the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had brought them in and so therefore, there was not even, not even a possibility that they would get caught up and entrapped in the, um, in the ways of the, of the nations of, of the land of Israel, even though they had an obligation to totally destroy them and to, to reset the land. Nonetheless, there was no fear of that. However, however, says the Nitziv, says you have to understand that they got, they, they, there's a point in time that when Bnei Israel was so settled, that they no longer turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for assistance. He said, because that's what happens everywhere in the world. Is that anywhere in the world, we find, that anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, we know that, they are, that the nations of the world really turn to the sun as a, in a way as a deity. Why? They do that because it's clear that the sun brings, brings them an enormous amount of, of bracha. So too, the concern was that B'nai Yisrael, that after a number of years where they were totally settled in the land of Israel, that they would no longer worry about the need for the miraculous um, settlement of Israel like they had had before, and therefore they would start serving other type of gods, the gods that they needed at that time, which really were the gods of the um, of Parnosa and the gods of um, of uh, in this case of, of agriculture, the sun and, and what have you. And I think that that's an important thing for us to understand in the space that we are in at the moment. And that is that uh, you know we we in uh, in the 19, in 1948 there was such excitement about the establishment of the of the state of Israel. In 1967, the the Six Day War, everybody was just unbelievably excited with. Um, with, with what was going on and the miracles that happened and all the wars, all these things that happened. But then we live in a space where things are much more settled. And now, what are the things that we speak about, how wonderful it is in, 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 in Medina Tishol, which it is, and it's an amazing and it's wonderful, and I'm not in any way discounting that. But when we start getting settled, and now it's clear, you know, with this whole story of Corona, what we're having is that the, um, Israel is assisting 
Chutz um, Laaretz. Uh, we, we have, there's a fund that's been set up by the Jewish agency to assist um, Jewish organizations outside of Israel to be able to deal with the financial losses of, um, of Corona. So what's happening is that we're moving out, in the people in, Israel, in the land of Israel are moving out on their dependence of, uh, of, uh, of the people around them, of the Jews around the world, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak. And in, in that case, we start getting a little bit greedy. And that's something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is warning us about, that we should be very, very careful that um, we, mustn't, we mustn't get involved in, in creating our sitim pestle to munat kol. We mustn't make these, um, these, these pestle, these idols of any type of, of picture or anything like that. Um, and it's not, says, says the, the Nitziv, it's not in order to make HaKadosh Baruch Hu angry. It's not about... Um, rebelling against God. It's just leteyavon. It's just for our for our good. We understand. You know why? Because it's an amazing thing to be able to serve the sun. It's an amazing thing to serve Avodah Zorah. Because when you serve Avodah Zorah, the beauty of serving Avodah Zorah is there are no conditions. You don't have to keep the Torah. You don't have to keep the mitzvahs. You don't have to do anything. It's a wonderful, wonderful way. Of, uh, of having a religious experience because it's a religious experience without any strings. That is not Torah. Torah is a way of, uh, of, 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 of be doing avodat Hashem, of serving our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And then what happens is that because we remove ourselves from any restrictions, because we remove ourselves from any, from any way of, of, of giving a structure in our lives as a result of our, of our, of our religious observance of our deity, then says the Torah of Initially, it was just because we, were, we just wanted to get more money and we wanted to get, be more successful. But then he says, then we did what was bad in the eyes of Hashem, he sought to anger Hashem. And says the Nativ, Tasu Orpulot Magunot. That it got to a point where Bnei Israel will be doing things just for one reason only, and that is not because they're serving, they're serving the sun, because they don't want to have a deity. They don't want to have a Kodesh Baruch Hu in their lives. They don't want to have any of this, and therefore that makes a Kodesh Baruch Hu upset. And when he is upset to, and, he's, and he's angry, whatever that means that Hashem is angry, but that's a different conversation. Then he says, Then you must know, says the Torah, that at that point in time, where you've gone through a process of settlement of the land of Israel, of great success, and then moving away from connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, moving away from this desire to be closer to Hashem, ultimately rebelling, into, uh, rebelling then what? I will bear witness of these, from these two witnesses of... Um, of the sun and the moon, uh, of the sun and the uh, sorry, of Shemaim Varetz, the, the the heavens and the earth, that they are witnesses to the fact that uh, that we will no longer have this easy way of life and of being in the um, in the in the land of Israel any longer, because um, he's going to take, he's going to avot will totally destroy us, maher from the land, Asheratem of Rimet Hayarden Shamalurishta. Because the, the land that you crossed, the, the Yardin, the Jordan, to go and inherit it. And comes along the Nitziv, and he tries to understand, uh, what is it? Why is it so important that they crossed the land of Israel? Why is it so important that, um, that they moved over the Yardin in order, in order to come in? And he says, because... Um, 
the space of coming from outside of the land of Israel into the land of Israel is something we always have to remember. That's why we have Pesach. That's why we have these, this constant reminder that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim because if we don't constantly remind ourselves that we crossed over from one place to another, then we forget that there's a value system in the crossing over. The value system, there's a, there's a certain level of metaphor in the fact that we moved from the desert into the land of Israel, crossing over much like Avraham Avinu did when he's, when he's, called, the, he's called the Ivri because he crossed over. So too we are the Ivrim because we crossed over from, a, from, the, from the connection to Mitzrayim, to commitment to, um, to, to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And then our Kodesh Baruch Hu says, you know, and if, when that happens, when this Galut comes, Hashem will hefit. Then Hashem will spread us out throughout, through all the different languages, through all the different nations. Um, Firstly, Hashem is going to spread us out amongst the nations. And then he'll leave us as this number within the Goyim. And asks the, um, the Natsiv, what is, why is the one called, at one time it's ref, we referred to the nations of the world as Amim, and the other time we referred to them as Goyim. And he says, Goy, the concept of Goy is a very difficult concept for us to understand. Why is that? Because we use it in a, in a, in a, in a derogatory manner to refer to the, the non-Jewish world. But at the same time, Rav Soloveitchik points out that every single morning we daven and we say a brocha, Shaloh Asani Goy. Right? You got that? Shaloh Asani Goy. Shaloh Asani Aved. Shaloh Asani Ishu. We say these brochas, but at the point, the point when we say Shaloh Asani Goy, we also remember later on we're going to speak about Goy Echad Ba'aretz, that we as the Jewish people are Goy Echad Ba'aretz, one nation in the world. And if that's the case, it means that um, the word goy it should not be such a pejorative term, but rather is a much more neutral term. And therefore, Rav Soloveitchik said it shouldn't be, we shouldn't say Shalah Sani Goy, but we should say Shalah Sani Nochri. I'm not part of the, uh, 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 that, uh, that he did not make me a non-Jew as such, not just a goy. And, but says the, the, the Emek Davra, what does it mean to be a goy? And he says, that is a, it is a kingdom, a goy means a kingdom which is on its own, that within it has a number of different nations. That every, that all the different nations within that single kingdom have different, um, different minagim. And, uh, and he says that we need to understand that, so that's, that's what, that's what goy means. He says that we need to understand, so we have to understand that the actual galut doesn't come into, into a single nation. The galut goes into, a, um, into a, an empire, an empire which rules a number of nations and the spreading out happens from us into all those different nations that make part of that empire. And why do we do that? And he says the following: The fi erech ha'am lo shayach l'mash Yisrael bekibam matem mispar. He says we need to understand that the reason is because, in terms of 
each nation that we have been exiled into. So we, we as a Jewish people have been exiled into every single nation in the world, into every single country in the world, amongst every single am in the world. And um, we need to understand that the fact that we may be, have been a small part of that, um, of, that, of that nation into which we were exiled, nonetheless, the value that we have brought into the different places that we have been, that we have been exiled into is far beyond our number. And because it's far beyond our number, we've always been able to, to present ourselves as something, as something in a way special, call it, or something different, something that stands out. However, when we put ourselves into the, uh, the entirety of the, um, of the empire, we're actually nothing. And that's something that we have to understand, and that's something that the Nitziv wants to point out. He says, we need to realize that at the end of the day, we are the small, small, small little people. And because we are so small, and because we don't have so much power, and this is the key, that what happens is that we get caught up in the value system, in the customs, and in the, um, in the way of life of the people that we find ourselves. And we, because we get caught up into that, then you know what happens? Then we, we get sucked into the, uh, the depth of their value system, which is the next Pasuk, and there we start uh, serving other gods. And that's something that we have to be so careful, especially when we come, uh, we come before HaKadosh uh, Baruch with a, a Hashkafa that is a much more, call it modern Hashkafa, in a, in a, in a more, um, I don't know the word is traditional, that's the wrong word, um, but a more, uh, which the terminology today would be Haredi Hashkafa, which is more divorced from the modern world. In a Hashkafa of that nature, it's much, much easier to maintain separation. But at the minute, says, says the Natsiv, the minute we find ourselves in the, um, in the world in which we live with a modern outlook, which means that we are prepared to engage and invest in the world in a real way in which we live, then the danger is, and this is the real danger of Galut, that we get sucked into the Minagim, we get sucked into the value system, the way of life of the people around us. And when we do that, and we do it in an unbridled fashion, with an, in an unconscious fashion, then what happens is we can find ourselves ultimately doing what? We, are, we, we move from this people of, uh, of great values, a people, our understanding of uh, uh, a monotheistic God, a people that is, that is so rich with Torah, which the Torah spoke about a little bit before, that the world looks at us and values everything that we bring in. Ultimately, we can become, if we're not careful, we become a, a, a people that is serving these gods that are made out of, uh, of wood and of stone, that cannot see, that cannot hear, they cannot eat, they cannot smell. They have absolutely zero value at all. And that's what we have to be careful about. I remember Rabbi David Lappin said many, many years ago at a shir, he said there's no problem with us um, interacting in the world. There's no problem with that whatsoever. And in fact, that's part of our job because the truth is that it says right at the beginning of Beratius, it says that when the world was created, we've got to work the world, we've got to be part, we've got to be productive citizens in the land that we live. However, he said, we have to be careful that whilst we can interact, we cannot integrate. Because the integration is that point where we move from the, the connection to our values outside into a connection to a value system that really isn't ours at all. And he says, and once we get to that point, that we start serving these, um, 
these, these other gods, and it's not because we're forced to do them. Um, it's, not enforced, it's not because they, they, we don't have a choice in doing that. That's not what it's talking about. The minute we don't have a choice, so then it's no, it's no longer our inverted commas fault. This is because it's just the way the process happens. When we operate in a manner that is not conscious, so then we fall foul of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the pickings of the, of the world around us. And I think that's something that's so, so important. Like, so when we're teaching and when we're learning, you know, uh, it's very difficult to compete with Netflix. That's the bottom line. And the reality is that we can't compete with Netflix. Because um, Netflix is that eights forever. And Netflix is the, 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 um, the, the wood and the stone that doesn't think or hear or feel or anything and, uh, and, uh, and doesn't demand anything from us. You just sit down and you watch it and it's a lovely movie or a lovely documentary or it's a lovely whatever it is, but it doesn't demand anything, anything from us to do, anything from us to add, anything for us to be productive. And so therefore it's easy to get sucked into it and we need to be very careful about all those things in terms of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But it comes along the Torah and says that even though that is what is going to be, even though it sounds so terrible, and even though it's going to be that we're going to get sucked into the, into the environment of the nations around us, there is going to be a point in time, Vikashtem Misham. Vikashtem Misham, there's going to be a point where we realize how little value the world is around, has around us. Vikashtem Misham et and therefore we will, we will search, we will, we will cry out, we will look for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Umatzata, and we'll find Him. Why will we find Him? Because we will search for Him with all our heart and with all our soul. And we know those words. Those words are well-known words. Those words are the words that are used in, uh, in the Shema Yisrael, which is later on in the Parsha. Um, and why are those words so important? That we will look, we'll search HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chol Levavacha B'chol Nafshecha What does it mean Levavacha? So the Levavacha we know from Shema Yisrael The um, When it says you might, that we must serve V'hafta et Hashem Elokecha B'chol Levavacha Comes along uh, Rashi says B'shtei Yitzrecha That we must serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu With both of our Yetzers Our Yetzer HaTov And our Yetzer HaRa what does that mean? How do we serve Hashem with Ayetzer HaTov and Ayetzer HaRa? So the Yetzer HaTov is this thing that only wants what is godly. And what is godly seems to be, in a way, that which already exists. That which we can immediately connect to is that which is godly. But that which is not yet in existence, that which we aspire to, that which we, um, where we want to build and we want to create, that's not the, um, the Yetzer HaTov necessarily, that's the Yetzer Hara, demanding something new, the novelty, the newness, the innovation. That is also part of how we're supposed to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with this desire for creativity and this desire for novelty is something that we've got to work on. And comes along the Torah and says that, um, you know what will happen? Is that we will be searching, we will desire HaKadosh Baruch Hu so much with every ounce of our being, both of that which exists and that which we want, we want to see the godliness in that thing, and in every single aspect of the essence of our neshamas. And when we get to that point, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, will take us out of, um, take us out of Galus. And so I was thinking about it. It says here, 
So who is Hashem Elokecha? Who is Hashem, your God? Um, so there's only one answer to that. And the answer to that, really, I think, for our purposes, is that why, when the Torah says, the, the first time we are um, exposed to this concept of Hashem Elokecha, really, is on Har Sinai. In Har Sinai, it says, Anuchi Hashem Lokecha, But what happened at Har Sinai? What is it really that this Uvikashtem Misham is such a powerful concept of desiring, connecting to Akkadish Baruch Hu, But where does it come from? I think it comes from a desire to go back to Har Sinai. And what is that desire to go back to Har Sinai? And right now, we are in a very difficult space, I think, in the world in which we live. Because there is such incredible fraction amongst the Jewish people that, um, that we wouldn't even know what it means to be back at Har Sinai. Because back at Har Sinai, the uber value of Har Sinai was, as the Torah tells us, that the, that the, the nation encamped as one um, outside by the Negadahar, um, uh, 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 opposite the mountain. And there it says, as one person with one heart. And here in this passage uses the same, that I think that really what the Torah is telling us, that there will be the point that we will desire the connection with our Kodesh Baruch Hu so greatly, but that connection is the connection of Hashem Elokecha, and the connection of Hashem Elokecha really is the connection to one another that we had at Har Sinai, and the minute we desire that connection, then we can have, then we will be redeemed. Because that connection means that there's Avat Yisrael. That connection means that we love each other because we understand that that's what it means to be a Jewish people. And it's only at that point in time. Which each one of us in the depth of our soul, in the depth of our heart, try and recap and re, um, revisit the relationship of Har Sinai that until that, until that time, we will never have redemption. And I think that's our challenge today as we go into Tisha B'Av in two days' time. Um, what are we supposed to be focusing on? I think we're supposed to be focusing on um, Har Sinai. I think we're supposed to be focusing on that moment of Har Sinai when HaKadosh Baruch Hu was prepared to give us the, the system that He gave us, the Torah that He gave us. Why? Because we were together. And if we can try and work on that, I do believe that there will ultimately then come that redemption, that desire to, to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the way that, that, that we all wanted so much. And, um, and uh, the, if we can work on that and work hard on that, I think we'll get there. I just wanted to share one more idea with you, which I think is an important idea for, 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 for Tisha B'Av. The, um, the Torah tells us that um, the question, the Zohar tells us, sorry, the Zohar tells, asks us, where do we find every single thing that we have? Um, every Chag that we have, every um, extra Chagim that we have, Purim and Chanukah, the Torah is always trying to find, like, where, where is that found in the words of the Torah itself, in the actual five books of Moshe? Because just to create a new Chag for the sake of having it, is a little bit of a difficult thing. But if we are able to find it sourced in the Torah, then, then, then it makes it so much more powerful. So the, Gemara, the, the, the Zohar says, where do we find um, Tisha B'Av in the Torah? 
So the Gemara says, you know where we find Tisha B'Av? We find Tisha B'Av in the most fascinating of places. We know the story that Yaakov is going back to Eretz Yisrael after having spent so many years out of Eretz Yisrael. He's going back home. He's going to go. He's going to see his brother. And he prepares everything, but then he remembers that he left a few things behind. And so he goes um, over the Yabok River, and he goes and he's, and he's on his own. And there, when he gets to this place where he's on his own to collect all his little tzatzkas that he had left there, the Torah describes that Vivata Yaakov Levadova Ya'avek Ishimo, that Yaakov is on his own, and this person comes and starts wrestling with him. And it's. Uh, and, and he wrestles with him. And what happens in that wrestling, we all know the story that uh, eventually the daytime comes and Yaakov, uh, um, the, 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 the thing that he was wrestling with, which we, which we find out is the angel of Esav, says to Yaakov, let me go. I need to sing, I need to sing Shira to Hashem. I need to sing praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Yaakov says to him, not a chance. I'm not letting you go until you give me a brocha. And he, gives, and he, and he, tell, he changes his name to Yisrael. But he also does something. And what he does is he claps him on the um, on the yerich on the on the thigh, and because he, when he claps him on the thigh, because of that he injured him, and therefore the Torah says we don't eat the gid hanasheh, the gid hanasheh, and says the Zohar in the word gid hanasheh, gimel um, stands for um, uh, tzom gedalia, which is gimel tishrei, yud is asara betevet, hey, sorry, sorry dalad, which is the dalad of gid is the, the, the fast of the fourth month, which is the fast of, um, of Shiva Asaba Tamas, and He is the fast of the fifth month, which is the fast of Tisha B'Av, which we will please God um, enter into in a couple of days. So it says the Zohar that Tisha B'Av is found in the story of Esav and the, uh, of Yaakov and fighting against Esav's angel. And I'm trying to understand what it is, and there are many, many different reasons why and how and whatever. But one of the things that the Natsiv says there, I think is the most pointed part of it, is that Yaakov, um, in his whole life, in his whole um, history of all the different conflicts that he had, he never, ever fought back. Yaakov was always passive. Anytime there was a conflict, he removed himself from the conflict. Even in the story with, um, with getting the brocha from Yitzchak, we see that Yaakov, um, he, he backs away until his mother says, it's fine, I'll take the flat. So it's, he's always moving away. And the Torah said, and, and the Nitzim explains why. Because he was the Ish Shalom, the ultimate Ish Shalom. And the ultimate is Shalom means a person that is whole, the person that doesn't want to fight, the person that wants to always find that space where there is space for everybody else. But comes along in the fight with the angel and we find something fascinating that all of a sudden, for the first time, Yaakov asserts himself. The Natsiv says the minute he asserted himself, he moved out of the space of Shalom and became an aggressor. And when he became an aggressor, that was the time for him to be injured. And because of that injury, that he has, which subsequently healed, and it was no issue. But because of the injury, we, every single day, we cannot eat rump steak, especially not during the nine, the nine days. But we're not allowed to eat rump steak. We're not allowed to eat the, 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 the forequarter of the animal because of what he did, unless you do a certain thing of nikur. But why is that so important? Because there's a constant reminder for us, as the children of Yaakov, that the uber value that we are supposed to have is shalom. And therefore, vested in the fight with the angel is that the fact when there's a lack of shalom, there's going to be a tishabab. But if we can try and get and bear in mind and be conscious that we've got to strive for this Hashem Elokecha, which is the space 
of, of Har Sinai. We've got to strive for the Shalom that Yaakov gave up on that one small little part. Then we can understand that at that point, when we strive for that, with all our heart and with all our soul, then at that point, Mashiach will certainly come. At that point, we'll find the rebuilding, please God, of the and when we find that, that point will be the time for Shalom amongst Israel, Shalom in the world. That will be the time where Kodesh Baruch certainly will find his place as the one singular God in the world in which we live. I wish everybody a, uh, a meaningful and deep fast. It's, uh, it's a difficult one this year because it's so much easier when you're, even though you're not allowed to say hello to people, it's so much easier to be around people. But, um, but uh, please God, it should be meaningful. There's so much going on. I know we've got at, uh, at uh, Yeshiva Mizrahi campus, there's a massive program going on from, with international speakers. Please log in if you can. And if, wherever it is, just have, it should be a good space. But most importantly, we should work on ourselves to be able to find the love in our heart for every single Jew. And in doing that, we'll be able to be that, that, this generation that will be the rebuilders of Yerushalayim Mera Kodesh in its completion. God bless everybody. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.